Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Amy. And this is Monumental, a small show about the big things God does in the lives of ordinary people. We have Lisa Cochran joining us to share the journey that she and her husband and their family have been on with their son, Nate, who's diagnosed with autism. It's difficult to have children or a child with disabilities of any kind. And she gives us a glimpse into that life, that journey that you take, but specifically how how good God is through those hardships. So we're really thankful to have her here to get with us today. We had our first son, Noah, and two years later, we had his baby brother, Nate. And with Nate, you know, we had a, a healthy pregnancy and a healthy delivery. And, you know, the early year, his first year was very, it was good. It was sweet. You know, we didn't have any, you know, concerns whatsoever. And he was starting to say words, just a couple words before he turned a year. Uh, It was just like, mama, dada. Yeah. Um, He was 18 months old. And I remember he was, up to this point, just kind of... um, a, f- a fiery personality, yeah. emotional, you know, l- a little hot temper, mm-hmm. you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it was at 18 months old, I remember he was in the living room, and I don't remember what happened exactly, but he was standing there and he let out this blood curdling scream, you know, just yeah. stop whatever you're doing. Yeah. And it was just a, f- it was frustrated. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, wow. You yeah. know, it was really That's intense. Yeah. It was intense, and it was almost like that. What's that? You know, what's wrong? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes his frustration it would be screaming, and and at first you were just thinking, "Oh boy, this co- this boy's got well, a temper." Yes, yeah. and you know, he and in looking back, he once he said those first few words, then he's just stopped saying them altogether. Mm-hmm. We never heard them again until he was over three. And so, you know, we kept saying, you know, he's frustrated because he's a late talker right. and he's screaming. But, yeah. you know, you just kind of play that off. But, you know, as he was just getting a little bit older, like, you know, in, you know, age two, just the screaming was probably the, the biggest concern that mm-hmm. we had. And it was obviously very frustrating and trying because for years, we started to learn more and more what kind of would quote unquote set him off. Mm-hmm. But um, even then it was still difficult because, you know, he could get into a screaming fit for like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that might not seem like a really long oh, time. No, it seems like an eternity. But this screaming yeah. was like this really, yeah, yeah. I can't Intense. even. Yeah. So did you think that this is... Um, just a parenting issue that we need to address or did you talk to your pediatrician or friends or um i did i remember our one pediatrician who we did love i do remember talking with her about it and and she was saying to me that it's typical for the second born yeah to be a late talker <clears throat> and be frustrated because if because noah was just really just he he talked early mm-hmm. and so he was just really talkative and so it kind of made sense, like, oh, Noah's doing all the talking for right. him. And, he, you know, you don't want anything to be wrong. Yeah, no, right. You know what I mean? Like, even though there was, even those early screams, it just, there was something that just wasn't right. And, mm-hmm. like, I knew it in my gut, but mm-hmm. you don't know. You know, you just, yeah. you just try to, like, so rationalize. That's about the last thing you want to go to. There's right. Like, yeah. 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 
it was just very, he was just very, you know, would get agitated mm. really easily. And he was just so young, but he was like mm. so sweet and, and funny. And he was just a sweet little boy. But then he just had this, he would just I, 30 minute. Well, he would just something would trigger him. Yeah. And it yeah. would just be awful because then he would just, I don't know, just like lose himself. And then mm. eventually, you know, he would, you know, calm down after a while. But it was yeah, just really trying. And, and then, you know, it was hard, you know, comparing him to kids his age, like, I, you know, didn't want to do that. Right. But it was, it was hard not to notice his delays. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just with speech. It was just with his whole like communication. Mm. So he had the expressive expressive language delays and then his receptive language, just that yeah. understanding. That started to become concerning for me because there was something like, Why doesn't he why doesn't off. he understand? Yeah. You know? So it was right when Nathan was about two, or right before he turned two. At this time we had were living in a duplex from um, friends of ours from church mm-hmm. uh, lived on one side mm-hmm. and they were kind enough to um, let us rent off of them. And so my friend Eva had spent a lot of time with Nate, mm-hmm. and she had work, worked in the education field. And I also had another friend, Laura, who also worked with children and children with special needs. Mm-hmm. And so it was um, Eva and Laura had come to my door one day, and you know they came in, and they're like, we need to talk to you. And I was like, okay. And you know, I'm very, very close with Eva and you know, good friends with Laura. And they, and they said, I think you should have Nate evaluated. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, was like, "What do you mean?" Evaluate. And they, yeah. and then they went on to say that they were concerned about his development. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, as they were talking, like I was definitely holding back tears because mm-hmm. it was like I knew it, like mm-hmm. I yeah. knew that there was something not quite right. But like when when it was like other Having people noticed yeah. too, yeah. yeah, you know. And so when they left, I cried. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I cried. And then, you know, when Jared came home, we we talked about it. We prayed about it. And that it was hard, too, for Jared because it was like, you just want to think, oh, he's just going through a phase, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Looking back for Eva to, you know, come to us, I, I'm just so thankful that they did. Oh, so how long did it take until you... Made the decision. Yeah, let's, let's it was get it was it was quick. Yeah, it was it was a, a, a fairly quick decision. I think so was just in a couple someone, days. Okay. Yeah, someone so they the yeah they or? recommended um, uh, FIT. It was called Family Infants and Toddlers. Yeah, and so they came in. So the one lady came into our home, and we didn't know what to expect. You know, she was super, you know, very sweet, very mm-hmm. kind, and so she asked a ton of questions, and then she spent some time with Nate. And then, so what she recommended was a, a speech, speech and language pathologist mm-hmm. and an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. And they were to come into our home. I believe it started at the beginning twice a week. And then they started coming together on the same day. So just mm-hmm. for my understanding, FIT, is that similar to like first step? I would guess it's family, infants, and toddlers. Okay, so it wasn't a autism evaluation no it was just a general delay there yes. delay eval eval correct okay so fit comes in they come in and they then re- made their recommendation yep. i wish i could have said that i was overjoyed and thankful that somebody was coming <laughs> to help us and i was not <laughs> yeah. uh, you know i feel like somebody was sort of taking your job in a sense. Yeah, it was a really, you know, those first few visits were really hard and awkward because Mm -hmm. 
yeah. you know, I had like these two strange people in my house yeah. and they were very kind, you I'm know, sure. not, they're yeah. not, but it was just, it was hard for me to see like another person, you know, connecting with my kid or mm. trying to at least. It was like, I wasn't doing a good enough job, you know, and I'm mm. just being like, completely honest with my feelings those like Mm -hmm. beginning days and it was just it was just humbling for me to say you know number one we need help number two when people come in to help and you Mm. feel kind of like yeah you feel I felt kind of like a failure and I and of course now looking back I don't think any mother Mm. should ever feel like that or know that that's just a lie Mm mm-hmm but those were the first few visits, and then I started to feel more comfortable. Again, I think it just was God's just it just was God's humbling. We went through, um, you know, teaching him sign language, mm-hmm. and whenever they started doing that, when the speech pathologist started doing that, I, then I felt involved. I felt more yeah. helpful, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just kind of being like an onlooker. Yeah, yeah. And so that. That was a turning point for me where I felt more part of the team. And then, you know, the, you know, the insecurity and the pride or, you know, whatever it is I was feeling early on, it did, it did turn into gratitude. And I I was thankful, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that they were there. That was from between ages two and three, because by the time he turned three, he was no longer eligible for FIT. We actually moved from that house out and we moved out into the country and then we wanted to continue with the um, therapy. And so they put us in touch with the, yeah, I believe it was just the local public school system. But before we moved, it was near the end of the summer. And so he was almost three. The The first signs of autism, the first time I heard the word autism from his speech pathologist, Nathan, was... Um, he was starting to do this weird thing with his eyes where he would skim anything that had a straight edge. Mm-hmm. like uh, a, a table or a bookshelf, a countertop, mm-hmm. siding on a house, mm-hmm. he would get really, really close to it. And he would just walk along it. And mm-hmm. so it was just odd and quirky. And we were outside and the um, her name was Maggie. She was getting ready to leave. And I was like, he keeps doing this. Like, it's so weird. She probably had inkling that he was on the spectrum, just working so close with mm-hmm. him. But then when I was like, what is he doing? And she's mm-hmm. like, well, she's like, I think what he's actually doing is stimming. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, what the What's heck is that? stimming? <laughs> yeah, What's yeah. stimming? And it is actually something that's very common with children um, with autism. It's mm-hmm. a sensory thing that kids will do just for either if, um, something if they're nervous mm-hmm. that they need to have some control or they're bored yeah and so he was doing this all the time so when she mentioned the stemming thing yeah then that's a common thing with autism so that was the first time you heard that was the first time i heard the word autism did she immediately connect that to autism at that point yeah so did she say i think he might be on the spectrum well she said i think it would be a good idea for you to see a developmental pediatrician at this point were you like well we're down the road we're getting help were you just very accepting of whatever anybody said to you at that no. point? Or, okay. <laughs> no. No. It was scary. It was just, I, yeah. I I think for me, it was just the fear of the unknown. Like, yeah, what's sure. autism? I mean, like, the only thing yeah. I knew of autism was the movie Rain Man. Yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know hardly anything about it. And I think that's what the scary thing was, is just, like, that the fear of the unknown. And he also, like, he was not, um, he wasn't pointing to anything. 
typically kids, when they are communicating, they, right. they'll point at what point. they want. So those were certain oh. things that were brought to our attention yeah. that he wasn't pointing at anything. Mm-hmm. He developed this fetish with rocks to the point where any, and he loved being outside. And so anytime we're outside, he would always be carrying around rocks. He he didn't really ever play with toys. He had a basket of rocks in our kitchen. Oh, that's not so weird. <laughs> And he would like, he'd dump them out. And I don't know what he would do with them, but they were like, that was like his toy. In in hindsight, when I was able to, I, I watched a documentary about a, a woman with autism and I learned that him carrying around these rocks was mm. most likely something that was very comforting to him. And one time Noah mm. and I actually, we wanted to surprise Nate. So we painted his rocks. Well, we took a bunch, we took Pow out of his rock basket and um, you know, we painted them put little designs on them mm. and like ladybug or whatever Cute. and then we put him back in his his uh, basket and then he dumped it you know we're standing there and he dumped his rock basket out and we were watching him and he so he took all the the painted ones out and we're like oh you know and he set them to the side <laughs> 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 and didn't want anything to do with those painted rocks so. <laughs> poor noah but just he was give actually me the dirty rock it was just yeah <laughs> oh yeah funny. So after, so we did actually have this evaluation from a developmental pediatrician, and basically he came back with this diagnosis of pervasive behavioral disorder, Mm -hmm. which is basically a catch-all phrase for Mm -hmm. behavioral issues, developmental Mm -hmm. issues. His um, odd behavior, so the screaming is still going on, the odd behaviors started uh, uh, right around three, so right before he's three. So then he did the eye skimming, and then he's doing loving his rocks, which wasn't that odd. I didn't think it was that odd. but mm-hmm. um, And then, yeah, this thing called the tribal dance, where he would, in our kitchen, he would, with one foot, he would go in a circle. And it started off just with his foot, but it was like this beat, right? And then he started putting like his like, oh, like, <laughs> I wish so bad that I would have got him on video. But he would just do this. And, you know, we would let him do it for a while. I don't know. He just would do all these things that it was just Nate. Just Nate is Nate and Nate is still Nate. And so it was just and then so we called it the travel dance because that's what it looked like and sounded like. (laughs) You know, and, you know, we'd let him do it, you know, 20 minutes after you know half hour. Like, okay, Nate, (laughs) time to be done. But again, that he was stimming. Right. You know, yeah. so he's doing, you know, odd behaviors. Right. Right. He's still screaming. So that did not improve with no. therapies. And, no. no. And that was disappointing uh, for us because once he had learned some sign language, those words started turning in, or those signs actually started turning into words. Yeah. And so. So connecting the. Right. The, the screaming, is it? I mean, there's auditory, sensory, these different yes. things going on. Is it? Is it pain? Is it? Yes. Well, so because he was, you know, basically nonverbal and, mm-hmm. and, you know, from what we had learned is he most likely was having some type of sensory um, discomfort, discomfort or, yeah. overload. You know, there was a, a season where we just, we could not, we could not leave the house. I couldn't take him anywhere. Mm. Like even with Sunday school, he started throwing cars or not the cars. He, he, I think it was actually matchbox cars. He would just be throwing things in a Sunday school class. So he, we couldn't even take him to Sunday school. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was screaming in the kids' faces. Like he had this weird ritual where he would, every time we picked him up from Sunday school, he would get into a kid's face. This just sounds so weird. And he would scream three times. Hmm. I can't three. explain it. Three times. Never four. Three. 
three times in the kid's face this far away as loud as he could. And so what we had to do was whenever the Sunday school teacher saw us coming, she would have to take Nate out of the room so we could get him. And he always he kept wanting to go back in to scream in somebody's face. Hmm. Was that like his goodbye or I don't know. He it was like this. So he had like these ritual things that he would then do. And so this is whenever we thought he was just like a control freak. So he would have like certain things that he would have to do. Yeah. And so, again, still no autism diagnosis. And mm-hmm. so we think, you know, we have a child that is um, super controlling, super controlling. But it was it was more than that. It was it was like him losing himself and screaming over something so unbelievably trivial. You know, if he had this this thing at, at dinner time that, you know, he would flick on the dining room light. And one, you know, one time I flicked it on and that was it. Hmm. It was the rest of the night was just completely ruined and so it was like so irrational and nothing mm-hmm. it just didn't make any sense to us yeah and were you thinking okay these are serious discipline issues we gotta yes. work on now there yes now we went through and so again god's in god's kindness like one thing that was in jared and i was we cannot give him control but there is that that temptation that tendency that you want to of course you don't want your kid freaking out right yeah Everywhere you go, so you want to, you know. It would know. be easy to just be like, okay, I'm just going to always let him turn the light on kind of thing. And right. do that with a lot of oh, things. Yeah. That be, but yeah, with, yeah, but with him, we, that's what we noticed. So we mm-hmm. always thought that there was like this power struggle going mm-hmm. on. That he wanted to be in charge. And it's like, no, you're not. You're the child. We're the parents. You know, mm-hmm. that that kind of, you know, friction and, and typical, you know, situations where, you know, your kid pushes the envelope and, you know, you discipline them or you, you rebuke them, you know, everybody can move on with their life. Right. Nathan just couldn't move couldn't on. It. You didn't want to walk on eggshells because that's a horrible way to live. Right. But I see that temptation because, you know, you want to keep the peace. Yeah. And Jared was very, um, thankfully, he was very, very strong in that sense where he was not going to let Nathan have control. You know, and then when when he, we would put him to bed at night, like he had to, Jared had this thing that he did with him where he had to swing him in his arms and they had to count and Jared would throw him in his bed. Mm-hmm. And so he mm-hmm. had developed all these like kind of little rituals mm-hmm. as he started getting older. Yeah. So and then if you didn't do one of them. Right. Was... If we didn't do them or if we didn't do them correctly. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So when he turned three, we were God was so kind to give us our special ed teacher. So her name was Birdie and she came into our home and God used Birdie in an amazing way to mm-hmm. to help Nate. So what she would do is right from the very start what she did was I was it was us. It wasn't her and Nathan. Mm. It was we were a team. And she saw Nathan for 18 months and I learned so much from her. Mm. You know, she gave me homework to do for him, you know, with him through the week. And I would do everything she recommended that we would do. And and she she loved Nate. Mm-hmm. And it was so sweet to see that, you know, she was invested in him yeah. and I could see that. And like with Nate, she he loved it when Bertie would come. I was going to ask if he oh, was yeah. And this was kind her, of the, yeah. yeah, I think that's what was sweet for me is that he just, he loved it when she came. Mm, because he sweet. would be excited and, you know, Nathan really didn't get excited about people (laughs) (laughs) too often you know too often but yeah with with birdie yeah it was what kind of things does she do with them so first you know there's like the very okay getting nathan to sit and listen for five minutes of instruction 
Mm-hmm. Okay, which doesn't seem like a lot, but and just building up, building on those things. And she was able to read him like, you know, you want to push him, but you don't want to push him over the edge mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then you couldn't do the work with him. Mm-hmm. So recover. She, yeah. yeah. So she was able to read him and she was able to push his boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I was very happy that she was able to read him. It was it was God's kindness to us, you know, and, and then through, you know, all of all of this, you know, just praying, you know, you know, one of my prayers, I would say all the time and a lot of times just being like desperation, like, Lord, help us. Lord, help me. Lord, help my son. You know, it was always mm-hmm. help, mm-hmm. you know, and oftentimes it was like through sobbing, you know, it's like I didn't even know what else to pray. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I didn't even know what would help him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't even know what to ask. Yeah. Just help. And so you feel yeah. helpless. You feel mm-hmm. like you know, he's struggling, he's hurting, he's mm-hmm. and and you feel, you know, as a parent. And I know Jared, you know, as the father, you know, I know that he at times would feel that that helplessness. Mm-hmm. And when when God would mm-hmm. bring mm-hmm people into our lives or situations, you know, we were so thankful that he was answering those prayers. He was answering those cries, mm-hmm. you know. So when when did you get the actual autism diagnosis then? And how did you handle that? So we, he turned five in September and then we went. And one of the reasons why we ended up going again to a doctor was because once Nathan actually started talking, mm-hmm. I was starting to see his learning issues Mm -hmm. so he was i don't i don't necessarily want to call it a learning disability but a very unique learning style so he was very very visual and so he had a lot a hard time auditory processing Mm -hmm. so following directions Mm -hmm. or words that didn't have like a picture like abstract words like Mm. the word thrive right or you know the word serious you know those kinds of words where you couldn't show him yeah Yeah. you know i think that's what he struggled with early on was that he he it was like a literal language delay Mm. because sometimes i would tell jared it's like it's like we're speaking to him in a different language and then his other thing was that auditory processing where if we would give him directions Mm -hmm. And if there was too many steps in the direction, mm-hmm. it was like information overload. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even now, that's, you know, one of his, I mean, he has a ton of strengths, but that's his auditory processing. He's very bright, very bright person. But if I say, hey, Nate, can you run out to the van underneath the back seat in the blue bag? Can you grab my purse? Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too many steps. Too many. Yeah. It's like information overload. Mm-hmm. So he was diagnosed when he was five, so we went into a, um, a developmental pediatrician who specializes in autism. And so she spent, you know, lots of questions, spent time with Nathan. And, mm-hmm. and then she said, I have, you know, no question that your son's on the autism spectrum. Were you prepared for that? Or were yes. you still like, actually, yes. So we got the diagnosis and, and I obviously was not surprised. We didn't know a ton about autism, but we were seeing an autism specialist mm-hmm. because we just wanted, oh, and one thing that was leading up to this is so he was doing 100 piece puzzles before he was like really even talking. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, this is well, so odd. How is he? Yeah. yeah. Why can't he His talk? Brain Why can do that? Right. But, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so there were things leading up to that. But so when we're on the way home, I can see him in the rear view mirror and he's sitting back there with his 
adorable little face. <laughs> I just remember just praising God that that he was my son. I was just so thankful that that God chose me to be his mom. And like I wasn't I wasn't scared. And it wasn't the diagnosis. It was like it was just God's peace that it didn't really matter, you know, what he was diagnosed with, that, you know, God's hand was in this always. Mm-hmm. You know, he had been from, you know, Nathan's whole life. And I just remember, like, driving home and just looking at a sweet face in the rearview mirror. And and I just was so thankful. Mm-hmm. You know, God has continued to just be faithful in, in, in just the little things and, and, like, the small victories that may seem so trivial, <laughs> you know, that I would, you know, just celebrate and just thank the good Lord for, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Because it was, you know, it has been his kindness to us. And Isn't that amazing? The peace God gives in those yeah. those moments yeah. where he received if you think about something yeah. happening, yes. you never imagine that you would have a peace. But God's, yeah, yeah it was. God gives that is so. Yeah. And yeah. And like it is. Him. Yeah. It's yeah. so like him. Yeah. We we weren't doing this without the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was no way. Yeah. And we knew. So when Nathan's diagnosed at five, so now we are a family of six and Jared got a job at IU. So that was our last okay. year in New England. Mm. But once Nathan was diagnosed with autism, then I just went on a reading frenzy. Mm. <laughs> about autism but the one the one book from temple grandin called the way i see it was the most helpful and and pivotal book that i read on autism one of the huge things that stuck out well sensory issues Mm -hmm. like then we were just like you know this poor kid like dry heaving because of certain textures of foods again Mm. you know we thought he was just a picky eater and then one of the biggest things that we learned was we knew that he was a visual learner but once we read that it was like he he thinks in pictures that's why he doesn't understand certain words because there's no picture to Mm. it and we also stopped. Um, he had so many different, you know, delays and behavioral issues that were always front and center. Mm-hmm. You know that we were trying to not necessarily fix, but that we were trying to, you know, help him, you know, have control and you know overcome stop having them. these freakouts yeah. and you know overcome <laughs> some of you know these mm. issues. And and you know in doing that, that's just what a lot of your focus is on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. However, you know the danger in that. Even though you do need to help in the the delays and the weaknesses, you know that's you have to do that. Even with typical children, mm-hmm. right? You know, we always have mm-hmm. weaknesses and strengths. But but for us, I think we were focusing so much on his weaknesses mm-hmm. that we were missing these beautiful strengths that the Lord had given Nathan. Mm-hmm. And once God opened our eyes, like there's way more to Nate than what what we're paying attention to right 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 like Mm -hmm. he loved puzzles and this was really calming for him and you know so he would spend you know hours building his puzzles Mm -hmm. and then you know lincoln logs Mm -hmm. and you know potato heads i know it might not seem like that it's a strength but it was something it was it was it was constructive for him it was Mm -hmm. it was he was so creative yeah Mm -hmm. he loved to draw you know, through all of this, his relationship that he's had with Noah has been just, I know that, you know, God designed these two to be brothers. 
<laughs> Noah always could see Nathan's strengths. And never seemed to resent him for never. the weaknesses <laughs> or anything. Never. I mean, even yeah. during Nathan's freakouts, like even when mm-hmm. I look back, it was so odd. You know, here was this like little boy and he just, he loved Nate so much. Mm-hmm. He was like so tender with him. He was like a typical brother and could be annoying at times, but like <laughs> he like was protective of Nathan. You know, when we'd have to leave the park, we'd have to leave the birthday party mm. whenever we couldn't go to Sunday school anymore. Mm. I don't ever remember Noah complaining. You're in Bloomington now at this point. Yes. With the diagnosis. Was it difficult for Nate to make friends? Was was Noah it? Did yes. he make friends outside of the family? No. What or was no. developing relationships like? For yeah. Him? So once we, so when we lived up in New England, you know, we ha- had a lot of loving families. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Nathan never had, and he was still young. So we, he yeah. was almost six when we moved here. So he didn't, he hadn't really connected yeah. with kids. You know, yeah. um, you know, before we left, like he was still going up to kids in the playground, and you know, there were times when they, he would just roar at them, like he just didn't even know how to. How you know, have a communication. Him. So when we moved here, yeah, so it was just him and Noah. And then he had Lauren and Luke, which he was super sweet to. Now, I have to mention that by this time, his screaming fits had come to an end. Mm. Okay. So his screaming started at age two and lasted up until it was shortly after he was diagnosed. Because mm. I remember it being the screaming would be far like Few and far between. Yes, few and far between. And so his reaction to his getting agitated and things was um, he would start crying, actually. Mm. So his outlet, it was very easy to see that the screaming Mm. had switched switched to crying. Mm. And we even were able to start to see him seeing and and actually trying to exercise self-control. And Mm. that is still, you know, something that, you know, he still has to work on to this day mm-hmm. and then and again this is one thing that god has been has just poured out his mercy mm-hmm. and to help nathan have self-control but him having certain outlets with puzzle building and yeah. being creative and in, in those types of things it really helped to mellow him mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and he was you know also maturing even though it was very tempting to revolve our life around our son who has special needs we just knew we just couldn't, we couldn't do this. It wouldn't be obviously good for him. It would not be good for our family. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's even odd that we're just talking about Nate because, you know, I have six other kids. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, whether you, you have a child with special needs or not, yeah. you know, yeah. our, our kids are all special and they all have needs, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, really. I love it. They do, you know. It's true. <laughs> and so we all need help. <laughs> Uh, we all need help yeah because there's other things i deal with my other kids yeah yeah that it may not be autism yeah you know but it's something yeah yeah that's unique to them by the time we move here he had really mellowed and once we had like lauren and luke as babies even when lauren was born he was like very screamy agitated just it was just really difficult. And so we were nervous that whenever we would have a baby, what mm-hmm. he would be like. Mm-hmm. And in God's kindness, he was the most sweetest and tender with that little girl. Mm-hmm. I was trying to prepare myself, a pro- you know, that yeah. there would be behavioral problems. Mm-hmm. And he still, you know, was still in that, that, that season of mm-hmm. 
screaming and mm-hmm. having fits, but not in relation to Lauren. No. Mm-hmm. And so what was so sweet was this is the first time I saw, I mean, other than him with Noah and they were just, they loved each other and they were cuddly and goofballs. But like when I first saw him kissing his little sister, it was just, it was the sweetest thing mm-hmm. because it was like, you know, you get scared sometimes because you see like this rage in your child. And then sometimes if it's like days on end. And then to see this tenderness. To see yeah. the sweet tenderness. Because there were there were days where I would just cry because when he would have like a string of bad days, I was yeah. like, you know, is this our new normal? Right. Yeah. You know? Sure. Then the Lord would bring relief. And so when Lauren was born, it was, yeah, it was very sweet. And then 15 months later, Luke was born <laughs> and Nathan, he just loves babies. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and God used, you know, those to show us this, that Nathan had this, just another side, another side to, yeah. yeah. So we come, so we moved to Bloomington and we are welcomed by our church. So we got invited to go to, well, one of the first families was the, was the Emmels. They had us over for dinner. And this was the first time that Nathan met Josiah, which is their third, their third son. And... It was really sweet to see their first interaction. Now, keep in mind, so Nathan at this point, so he's talking. Right. He's talking in sentences. His articulation is much better. And he he has always been very literal. And so if I'd say, Nate, how'd you sleep last night? He'd be like, in bed with my eyes closed. Right. You know, a very literal, <laughs> yeah. you know, that has living in, with a family like us, right. you know, he... Yeah, he has a sense of humor and, you know, he gets sarcasm now, you know. I think the Lord specifically put him with the Cochrans so that he would learn sarcasm and could not survive in a literal, with a literal mentality if he lived with us. But anyways, so, so when he, um, and then Nathan would, he just has a personality where he just says what he thinks. So anyways, so whatever is on Nathan's mind, like he just says. And so when he meets Josiah, Josiah for the first time, they're sitting down beside each other. And Nathan said, hey, Josiah, you're black. And Josiah's like, well, actually, I'm brown. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, that is so oh, cute. Okay. Funny. So that was, yeah. So anyway, so we have, so we have dinner with the Ummels and so it was very sweet. And then Archie had brought the boys over to help us build our play gym and just, and he brought Josiah over. It did not take long at all for he and Josiah to click. And so we had moved here in August when he had just was turning six. And so it must've been that following summer that when Nate was almost seven, they were swimming in our pool and us parents were sitting on the deck and Josiah and Nate were, in, you know, in the water splashing around, you know, they're, they're talking and we're sitting there. And um, so up to this point, we, Nathan did not even know he had autism. So anyway, so they're swimming and then we hear Josiah say, Hey, Nate. And he's like, what? He goes, did you know you have autism? And Nate goes, what's autism? <laughs> <laughs> And so and we were sitting there listening to them and it was so funny. We just found it just so comical. And <laughs> what did Josiah and then, say? And then Josiah, then he started singing the song to Nathan about you're so special. And so he <laughs> sings the song to Nathan and it is the sweetest Aww. thing. Yeah. 
I mean, we were sitting there and we were laughing, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, thinking about it now, it, it mm-hmm. just was just one of those sweetest moments. And that was it. He's 14 now. Mm-hmm. Have things just kind of leveled out? Um, or what have things been yeah, like? Yeah, so through the years, the things that he struggles most with now is his um, hearing sensory issues mm-hmm. where he has certain sounds that basically drive him crazy. And that has been his number one issue. He could be in a crowded place and that noise won't bother him. We have a drum set mm-hmm. in our house that gets mm-hmm. played. We have seven children, lots of noisy boys. He can handle that, but whistle? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no, thank you. He he struggles with certain... Um, pitches? Pitches. Yeah. He has a hard time right now with the voice of our five-year-old. Hmm. just their talking voice is it just really high pitched or i just it's so odd yeah now Mm -hmm. as he gets a little bit older he'll be fine Mm because he did that with a luke and adam when they were about that yeah that Mm -hmm. age but so we we learned early on that he needed a a plan like Mm -hmm. if someone's making a noise that he can't handle because and so in general you know that that would work but again having a bunch of kids you know, it'd be, it turned to this, how, how did he used to say it? It would be QP stop because he would say it so fast. Could be stop, mm-hmm. could be stop. Like, mm-hmm. could you please stop? Right. And so, but this has literally been, you know, since he's 70, he's 14. So for the past seven years, every single day, mm. he, he struggles with um, hearing sensory issues. Mm. Now he definitely exercises self-control way more than what he used to. Mm-hmm. And that has come again in God's kindness to him and answering our prayers and mm-hmm. helping him to have self-control because you know he does actually have a choice a saying that jared says to him he said early on when nathan was struggling with this was nathan do not let your autism control you you control your autism and we and jared would actually make nathan repeat that and mm-hmm. say that because you can just let let go and just let it rule your life. You know, mm-hmm. let this you know the sensory issues just mm-hmm. take over. Yeah, and so it does take you know self discipline mm-hmm. to tune it out. Or I even asked him early on. He was, I think it was causing him actual discomfort mm-hmm. in his ears. Like he just couldn't handle the feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but now if I ask, you know, what, what happened? And it would be more of, he just can't handle the, it's just so annoying Hmm. that he can't handle it. He had piano lessons one time and Amanda started snapping like this to the, like this. And then I was in the next room. I was like, Oh boy, I was waiting. And he said to her, you don't need to do that. Oh, that was a huge deal for me because yeah, yeah, I was literally just waiting (laughs) for him to, I don't think he would go off. I think that he would just get really agitated yeah. mm-hmm. and mad, you know, but yeah. no, he did not. So mm-hmm. again, God was giving us these little glimpses mm-hmm. of him ha- just having to deal with that. He spent a lot of time helping Nate not let his autism control him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, and you said earlier that you're not a typical autism autism mom. How do you discipline yourself or how what are ways that you keep yourself from orientating your life around nate's autism i think 
one of the biggest things that God has used is by blessing us with a very large family. And I wholeheartedly believe that because we have a lot of children, we could not revolve our world around Nathan. And that has been the best thing for him. I think my temptation, you know, for him was just that I think I just have a tendency where I want to, I wanted to, I wanted to baby him. But it was basically me like not even thinking that Nathan could do that Mm. or want to do that or he wouldn't understand the directions. Mm. He wouldn't be strong enough to, you know, carry that wood to the backyard, you know. Mm. And Nathan is very strong. He's very competent. But, you know, I think it's just his brother spoke up for him. And it's just Mm. like, Nathan can do this. And so... That's one thing that I've been very thankful for because that was always my tendency. Well, it probably gives Nate more confidence too in oh, yeah. doing and trying things and persevering. And Yeah, I mean, even when when I would look back, <clears throat> yeah. it's, it's just God's hand all through it yeah. because why would we think, okay, we're not going to let this child be the center of our universe. We are right. not going to let him. That's the natural tendency. That's what the autistic community would have you do i mean yeah yeah and so where'd you get that idea from? <laughs> yeah well that's what i mean this was even yeah. before he was diagnosed with autism right. where he was like right. you know we could either you know we had the choice where we could either walk on eggshells mm-hmm. and do everything perfectly mm-hmm. so that nathan would be okay and not be set off mm-hmm. but you know i don't even know how we would even live like that it would mm-hmm. be miserable and mm-hmm. I'm sure there'd be a lot of, you know, resentment, not just towards Nathan, but just in, in a family, like how hard that would be to yeah. just have one person that you're just making sure that they yeah. are okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And But I think that, right, you don't like to see your child suffer, but we know, we all know from experience what God does in our suffering. Yeah. And it looks different for all of us. You know, Nathan has his own suffering that he, that, that God is using for Nathan to become the man that God wants him to be. And and I know that I know that God will use Nathan's suffering to bring him glory. And you know, often we have to like tell Nathan, you just need to be praying. You know, you're not gonna you can't do this on your own, you know, mm-hmm. especially on the hard days is you can't you're not gonna, you know, do battle with this on your own. And, you know, and I and I pray for him every day. For Jared and I, like you say, when you see your when your kid go through something, it's like whenever you do feel helpless, you know, you as a parent, you know, you just want to you want to just fix things. You want to make things mm-hmm. so that your kid's happy and comfortable. But it's like when you do fix everything for your kids, I think that's where like the seed of, you know, entitlement and not being grateful. But when you're a parent, I think the suffering for Jared and I is just waiting is during those those times where you're just asking god just please help us please help mm-hmm. and the days seem long mm-hmm. you know what's the say what's the saying the days are long but the years are short mm-hmm. well you know with with these you know specifically you know ages like two through five like those three years were that's where god cleaned us out and he emptied us and like i can see now that like that weakness was like the best thing for for Jared and I it was the best thing for our family you know that God had taught us really early on in our parenting that you're not going to do this without me
Monumental is hosted by Katie Walker and Amy Molina. It is produced and edited by Katie Walker, and it is executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jake Menzel. If you like the show, please don't forget to rate and review in the app of your choice. And if you're interested in more great content, including articles and other podcasts, please visit warhornmedia.com. <laughs>